of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm joined today by Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Phil Fariska makes a return. Hey, everybody. And the ever-present Misha Bakikio. Hello. I got to meet your mom this week, Misha. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I'd met her once before, but I got to see her down in New Orleans. Was it everything you expected and more? It was. I, I understand now where your sarcasm comes from. Yeah, it's genetic. Who knew? It is. Um, but I got to meet her down in New Orleans at the High Tech Conference, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that, we're going to see what's going on in the news. So, Pete, what's going on? All right, well, the first news item for today is OpenTable is letting customers put the bill right on their tab. So this is not necessarily directly related to hotels right now, but it's something for them to pay attention to. Basically, what... Open Table is doing is if you make a reservation using their app at any restaurant, right now it's just a beta test in the LA market, you'll be able to have the bill go to Open Table and you pay them. So no longer are customers going to have to actually pay the bill directly to the restaurant. They're just going to leave a card or tell the waiter or waitress, put it on my Open Table tab. Get up, walk away. So it's kind of like Uber for restaurants. It is. You know, so what you're starting to see is it's more of a, you know, customers are going to start dealing with these intermediaries in some cases for, you know, let's say restaurants. What's going to happen down the road as people get more and more comfortable just buying something on an app and not necessarily directly relating to whomever they're buying through? Yeah, that's interesting. And when, you know, Priceline bought OpenTable, uh, uh, I guess a couple of years ago um, now, and when they bought it, everyone said they paid, paid crazy money. It was like 45 times EBITDA or something ridiculous, way over market value. And people were like, what are you doing? Like, there's not a business model there, but maybe this was in the pipeline the whole time and why they were doing it. Because yeah. they're surely going to take a little piece of the action of every one of those transactions, which it's the yeah. Superman 4 kind of thing, right? The office space yeah, the are going to take space. a fraction of a penny from every transaction and no one, yeah. no one will care, but they'll make bazillions of dollars. Are they going to become the OTA of the restaurant business? Well, that's what I was thinking too from a usage perspective. When I think about making a reservation at a restaurant, I think to just call the restaurant and make the reservation. Then I'm 26, you know, I'm pretty, you know, tech savvy. So I'm wondering if adoption rate is picking up and more people are just using open table. So are restaurants that aren't on open table, you know, going to see some type of drop in their success? I don't know. Well, I equate it to Uber, right? Because it, when I, I travel a good bit, and when we're around, we typically use Uber versus cabs. And cabs, it's weird because on the on the front end, you think cabs are more convenient because you walk out of a hotel, typically there's a cab waiting. But then you have the transaction piece that you have to deal with at the end. And I'd rather wait a couple of minutes for the Uber to get there and not have to deal with the transaction at all because it's all taken care of on the app. So if that friction is removed from the restaurant, because how many times do we finish our meal and we're sitting there and waiting mm -hmm. for the ticket and then they've got to go process the credit card. It's going to take 10, 15 it's minutes. the worst out of it. part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. It's going to take 10, 15 minutes out of every restaurant visit. I'm, I'm all about that. I, I would probably say there's a good chance I'm only going to go to restaurants that you, 
offer the open table experience. Yeah, and from a restaurant perspective, if you can shave 10 to 15 minutes off every transaction, that's an additional table turn that you have for the entire restaurant potentially. Yeah, so I think it's win win for the consumer. The restaurant can make more money for turning tables and open table slash price line gets their little cut of that. I think Mm -hmm. you made a good point there and it's something that you mentioned, I don't know if you meant to, but you said you use Uber when you travel. Mm -hmm. I feel like open table is kind of similar to that too. When you go somewhere and you don't know the restaurants Mm -hmm. around, if I'm around here where I live, I'm probably not going to use open table. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in a city I don't know, I like to see that. I like to see reviews. It makes it convenient. Mm-hmm. I mean, open table, point. yeah, open table will probably be something that's adopted as people travel. Similar to kind of what Uber does as well. I mean, people use Uber for that same type of thing. They're comfortable with it. They use it when they travel. It's, I mean, it's that word that we like to use around here, frictionless, right? I mean, that's what it right. brings to the table. It's kind of like um, Chili's has the, you know, a lot of other restaurants now have the little device on the table. And, and I love that, but not, not because it distracts my kids. I don't always let them use it. But again, it cuts off that 10, 15 minutes at the end of the, of the process where I can just swipe my card and be done when I want to be Super done. And that's always the yeah. last part of the process. So your last experience at mm-hmm. a restaurant, regardless of how mm-hmm. great it was, mm-hmm. it's being frustrated because you can see your waiter over there but he's not coming to your table and you mm-hmm. want to leave. Yeah. And you know the other problem it's going to solve? My wife's never going to have to ask me again how, how much tip to leave because the, the, program, <laughs> the program's going to do it for us. She's going to say 15 20%. She's not the best, best at math. So, so Happy she, days I'm always her calculator when we go out if she's you know, swiping her card instead of mine. So. Is it, I mean, it's, I thought it was just really interesting you know, where the, the direction everything is going. I mean, even I had gotten a new car recently it has an open table app in the dash. So yeah. I can see restaurants that are near me and with the click of a few buttons on the dash, book a reservation. Yeah. You know, now I'm gonna be able to pay for that reservation, you know, right through my phone. So it's interesting. Pretty cool. Alright, what's next? Um <clears throat> Google actually put a, a, a new feature within Search Console this week, Search Console formerly known as Webmaster Tools. But um, Can you explain what it is for the non-technical Sure, sure. Um, Webmaster Tools is a pretty convenient way to go ahead and look at what's going on with your website in terms of errors and crawl stats and things of that nature. Lots of techie, nerdy stuff. Sure, and there's also some some keyword data that's available, and and for a lot of people, that's the only place they can go for for that type of stuff. And anyone with any website can sign up for it. It's free. You just have to verify. If you go to Google and search Webmaster Tools, you'll find it. Right. But um, it's it's, it's really neat because what they're coming out with is you're able to see your clicks, impressions, click-through rate, things of that nature, those type of stats for particular pages, queries, countries, devices. But this new new feature allows you to see the same thing for rich results and AMP pages. Um, rich results, um, you've probably seen them in search results recently. It's uh, like a carousel at the top where you could go through restaurants in an area, hotels in an area. So the neat part is you get to see what queries are turning out those rich results. You get to see how they perform in comparison to your typical search result listing. So for us techie nerdy people, that's, that's a pretty cool new feature that we're excited about. Yeah, and if, if you're on the SEO side, you're trying to get insight into where that traffic's coming from, I think that's critical, especially on the AMP side, because mobile is, is obviously on the increase. Accelerated mobile pages seems to be a big push for Google right now, so keeping an eye on how that's performing is, is critical. All right, what's next? 
I have good news slash bad news considering what side of digital marketing you work in. I We work in both, so I'm on the fence about it. But basically nothing is sacred anymore. The promised land of your local search results is now going to be tainted with ads. Dun, dun, dun. This was announced this week at SMX Advanced, a local workshop they did. It's a digital marketing conference. And Google confirmed that the ads are going to be coming to the local pack. It's currently just in testing right now. The article was on Search Engine Land, and we'll link to it. You can see there's a screenshot that somebody took at the conference where it shows you have the map that you're probably familiar with seeing. And then the first result is an ad, and then there's two organic local search results listed under that. They did discuss at the conference that the layout of this could change. Um, you know, the entire design of it could change. Um, it's something they're currently testing. But just keep an eye, you know, on this and, you know, listen up for when these ads are going to be rolling out. So this is potentially a really cool opportunity from the PPC side of it, but potentially not a so great opportunity from, you know, this, the organic search side of it. So we'll have to definitely keep an eye and see how this pans yeah. out. So it's yet yet another nail in the coffin of SEO, right? And I'm not saying there's ever going to be a final nail or the SEO is ever going to be completely irrelevant, but, you know, it's just one space lower down that your organic results are going oh, yeah. to show, which is... Google has an agenda. <clears throat> you know, they, people, you know, we often think, okay, we say that Google's job is to provide the best search experience, but really at the end of the day, Google's job is to make as much money as they possibly can. <laughs> so... They're, they're, isn't their mission to not be evil or something like that? I've never heard that. <laughs> they gave up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this kind of, to me, crosses the line a little bit when it's the local results. Yeah. I mean, that's always been, I mean, even for a lot of our clients, especially in market in Myrtle Beach we've seen so much traffic generated from the local pages and now it's again could be a really good thing from a paid side but if you're having to pay for that traffic that you would have normally gotten for free well we just know. talked about it a couple of weeks ago those they removed the right rail of ads so now you have four four paid ads at the top and then the first so now we have five paid ads before we get to anything organic yeah so is this going to be run through AdWords the same as regular ads you can have the option of whether it shows in the search at the top or in the local, do you? It didn't specify. I would, I could see it going either way. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. I mean, HPA is a separate thing than AdWords, I hope this so is I can not see. Yet another. Yeah, thing. Uh, yeah. I hope it's. <laughs> I hope it's an AdWords integration because YouTube is in AdWords too. So yeah, right. true. I, yeah, I'm I hoping they go the other way and bring HPA eventually into AdWords. Would they make can just a whole lot of miles. <laughs> HPA as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, uh, just please, like Stuart said, pull it into pull it into yeah. the AdWords interface. It's just so much easier to work with. I, w I would see them pulling it into AdWords, but they haven't officially announced anything yet. So we'll be sure to let let our awesome fan base know as soon as we know anything. Right. So speaking of Google, I found an article on our friends at T News, which if you don't read T News, I recommend you do. It's, it's a great source for all things travel related. But they talked about super secret Google coming up with a super secret council. Um, and they've been making a lot of waves with the travel industry. People not sure which direction they're going. Are they biting off the hand that feeds, feeds them by becoming a travel agent or an OTA themselves? And pissing off Expedia and the like, and um, they're doing the reviews. Does that interfere with TripAdvisor? So they have come up with the um, Travel Industry Council, and members of which include some of the big brands like Marriott and Hilton, but also some of the OTAs like Expedia, TripAdvisor's on there. There's um, a competitor of ours, one of the digital agencies is on that gr um, group as well. 
Um, Google, if you're listening, and you want more members <laughs> on that council, we'd, we'd be glad to participate. But um, they met earlier this month in San Francisco in a secret meeting. Everyone's under an NDA, so they can't really talk about what what they, they were discussing. But it does seem to me like Google is making an effort to be a part of the hotel community or the travel community versus an adversary to some of them. Um, so be interesting to be in that conversation and hear both sides, because from a hotel perspective, there's obviously some good coming out of what Google's doing in terms of you know booking direct through HBA and things like that. But if you're an OTA and you're, you're probably one of the biggest um, revenue generators for Google and you see things, products that compete with you, then it's like you do start to scratch your head and say, am I really going to invest in Google or do we need to look hard at Bing? You know? So that I thought was interesting. You guys got any thoughts on it? Well, I also read the article and I thought it was interesting too how they pointed out that there was some question and potential conversation about just confusion within the structure of Google as far as, you know, how Google's organized in general, but also specific to their travel sector. Mm -hmm. So if, if these important members of these hotels and the OTAs are asking Google for clarification, like who's the head of this or what's your mm -hmm. department in charge of, there's clearly some miscommunication happening. And I thought that was just kind of something interesting. So hopefully you know, if anything comes out of this, there's more clarity, not only in their organizational structure, but you know, what their departments are, what their goals are, like what they're trying to do with all of these new products they've rolled out and kind of what their mission is for yeah. all of these travel products. And, and Google as a, as a company seems to, you know, everyone has this enamor, they're enamored with them and think they've got all their stuff together. But we, we see from an internal structure that they change a lot of things all the time, like how they deal with agencies, changes on almost a, a biannual basis. Like they say, okay, we've got this travel vertical team that you're gonna work with now. And then six months later, it's no, we've got an agency team that's gonna work with you, but they're gonna have a travel expert. And it, it just, they don't seem to have it figured out. They're trying a lot of different things. So maybe you're right. Maybe they're looking for advice from the travel industry of how they wanna you know, structure themselves too. I don't know. Changes are probably coming though. You know, we're gonna Google's launching. We talked last week about their mobile app Google Trips that's coming out. Um, it's in beta right now. So they definitely understand the, the value of travel and they're just trying to maximize their revenue. Like you said, it's a business. So anywho, so we talk about our topic? Let's do it. All right. So we, uh, like we do every year, we, we, we go to a few trade shows and one of the biggest in the industry is the high tech conference and it stands for the Hospitality know? Industry Technology Exposition and Conference. That That's is, why everybody calls it high-tech, because high tech. it's it, really long. Exactly, but it, it's a good one because it, it kind of combines the two. So it is a conference. There are great speakers there every year that just talk about the industry. But there's also a big expo that vendors like ourselves get to meet hoteliers and, and talk to them face-to-face -face about what they're challenged with and where they're, you know, where they're hurting, where they're seeing opportunity and that helps us shape our products and um, also one of the other things from us is we get to talk to other cool vendors and get to learn what they're doing and the successes they're having and gives us ideas and new partnerships people we can integrate with so that is what we're going to talk about today so I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things I saw some of the trends and then focus on three or four of the vendors that really uh, I was impressed with and you guys can just fire questions at me so how many vendors would you say were there? If you were a hotelier and showed up? Um, it goes up to, there were like 16, 17 lines of vendors, and each line had like 
well, no, six, yeah, 17 lines of maybe 100 each. So, probably 1,500 vendors, I'd say. Well, so you couldn't get through it in one day. No, no. It took, wow. it, it take, takes, if you're skimming the floor, you could walk up and down in a day. But if you're actually stopping and talking to vendors, it's it's a three-day event, um, usually a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And it's it's 10 till 4, first day, 10 till 3, second, 10 till 3, uh, 10 till 2 on the last day. And, and you need a good two solid days to really get to see who you want to see there. So that's yeah. why when I was sending you vendor numbers, I feel like I could hear you like sigh through your messages because yeah. you were like, that's way too far. You yeah. should have brought your hoverboard with you so you can just kind of zip through. The, the, you know, the, there were some people on hoverboards wandering around there. And there was also this really cool, uh, it was like a trash can robot that would just follow you around. So you would, I, I guess you had some kind of device on your belt. And wherever you walked, this trash can just followed you. So if you're cleaning up, it it's just always right there. So you can pick up trash That's and it's genius. always right behind yeah. you. Isn't that cool? Oh, that is pretty It was cool. all lit up and stuff. So if you're outside in the dark or whatever, it was really cool. You don't yeah. have to carry it around with you. Technology. Yeah. What I a time even, to be alive. Right? Here's the bad thing, though. They did a great job with the product. They didn't do a good job with messaging because I didn't. there was no brand that I could see on it. Mm. And I didn't talk to anyone about it. So I, I have no idea who that was. If you know what this mystery tool is, let us know. Yeah, but it's <laughs> cool. mystery walking garbage can. Yeah. yeah. So what was the attitude of the hoteliers? I mean, right now, one, we're in election year. There's a lot of flux in the world. Mm-hmm. And for many markets, this is peak tourism season. What was the attitude of the hoteliers? Were they feeling good about 2016? Scared? Nervous? What was the deal? No, I think overall it's positive. And it's, it's good to note that this is more, it's an international joke too. So there were folks from all over the world. It wasn't just US uh, or, or even just North North America. There was, there was a bunch of people from Europe and South and Central America as well. So the election really didn't come up. There was a few snide comments about Trump. But other than that, which you'd expect anyway, you go in the mm-hmm. US right now. But um you know, I think overall everyone's excited about the travel industry in general and, and you know, that there are the normal fears about security and stuff, but you know, everyone seemed ready to invest in new ideas. There's a lot of new properties that are being built, so I'd, I'd say it was good. But the two trends, I saw two two types of technology that were probably more prevalent than anything else. It, it seemed like on every single aisle there was digital interactive signage. Like there's so many vendors that are getting into that space. And it was really hard for me to differentiate between them because they all seemed to offer the same thing. And, and it was, you know, the big manufacturers of electronic devices like LG and Samsung and people like that. Um, but there's also new people that I'd never heard of that are coming up with these what interactive kind of, designs. Yeah, like, an exa- what, like what what's an example? Like example? Well, you, you see them here in, in, in Muddle Beach with some of the hotels. Like in the lobby, you might have a, a, a touch screen that has area information on it. Right or event information or something like that that someone can come and I've seen this um, on hobbies. Those maybe print cool. out coupons for the local attractions stuff like that. So taking that traffic away from the front desk potentially. Yeah, exactly. It, it's dehumanizing the experience a little bit, but you know, I, I guess some some people like it. Where I saw some of them doing it well was more interactive and in room. So it was more uh, you know you could communicate with the front front desk via your TV. Hmm. That kind of stuff was kind of interesting. Um, and then there was a lot of wayfinding, like people doing mobile beacons and mm-hmm. Bluetooth and um, GPS location and on property. So I think wayfinding is is something that it's 
it's in its infancy in the hotel space, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to develop a lot in the next two or three years. But for me, one of the challenges, especially if I go to a big resort, is, is getting around. You know, they give you a little printed map when you check in sometimes and draws X of where you are and then some squiggly line of where you've got to get to. And sometimes the parking is not even right where that building is and it's a pain. So there were a few folks out there that had, uh, it would tie to your mobile phone and via web beacons or whatever, it would say it would know where you were going and you'd say 10 feet that way and then take a left and it would use your phone to actually get you to the elevator and to where you wanted to go. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was just thinking of something when you, when you, when you mentioned televisions interacting with the hotel, that, that just seems like, you know, as hotels more move more towards smart TVs and things like that, maybe there's companies that develop apps and whatever that they can you know, pay to host mm-hmm. in, a, in a room for somebody. <coughs> Yeah, and that, that seemed to be that uh, a lot of them were trying to do it all versus integrating. Like Samsung had this whole experience. They set up a bedroom inside the, the hall. So you actually walked into a bedroom. It had like a miniature bed in it. But they had the screen where you could do all this interaction, order movies, but also order room service or say something was broken, things like that. But it was all proprietary. There was no integration with any other product from, from what it looked like. Hmm. So was there any companies down there that were really interesting to, that you got to speak to? Yeah. So let's uh, talk about a few of them. And we did some live video while we were down there on our Facebook page. So you can learn more about these ones that I'm going to talk about. If you go to facebook.com slash fuel travel, there's a little video on each of these. But there were, um, I talked to a bunch of people. So narrowing it down was really tough. So I kind of picked one or, one or two from a couple of different categories. So... Let's talk about Zingle. Who is Zingle? Well, that was the question I had. I'd never heard of them before this uh, this show. And I've been to quite a few shows. And I, like apparently many people, thought Zingle sounds like a dating website or something. You know, it's <laughs> single with a Z. Um, but that is not the case. They're a messaging platform. And like I said, there was a lot of messaging type apps and wayfaring and stuff like that. But um, there does seem to be a big movement towards guest experience and satisfaction while they're on property in, in, you know, we know that online reputation is a big deal and that is driven by the experience. So Zingle, what they are is basically a messaging platform between the guest and the front desk. And you can communicate via SMS. Everyone has a cell phone. Um, they're one of the few and why I wanted to highlight these guys is they also integrate with Facebook messenger as well. Um, they also, in Europe, WhatsApp and WeChat are bigger as well than they are here in the U.S., but they integrate with those. Those products are rolling out. So it's basically a, a one-to-one communication between the property and the, the guest. So when you check in, you get to your room, and you realize you need more towels, you can just text it to the front desk. So it's a whole platform to allow that. There's some kind of automated response built in as well. I know bots are a big thing in the... Uh, industry, there's, this isn't like full on bot, but it's, it's, there's some intelligence in there in terms of logic. So for example, if you text, my Wi-Fi is not working, they'll know what you're talking about and give you, send you maybe a question, what room are you in? You say the room and then they'll give you what the logging credentials are for the, for that, you know? So I thought that was a pretty, pretty neat product. And, and really because it's, it's an omni-channel communication device with, or communication channel, which there weren't many that were doing it across all the different platforms. Most were just mm-hmm. push notifications via mobile app or 
just text or just Facebook, but these guys seem to have all of it covered. This seems to be a way that the hotel can be always on it for the guests, very, very helpful for the guests and mm-hmm. kind of prevent that bad experience and prevent getting a bad review if they can you know, proactively get in front of any problem that the, that the guest has. Yeah. So I spoke with um, Eric and David with Zingle, super nice guys. They're excited about the product. They're in a couple of different verticals as well, not just hotels. But um, if you want to check that out, it's zingle.com. No, no it's zingle.me. Zingle. Yeah. Sorry, zingle.me. And I saw on their website too, I was checking it out after you'd done the interview with them. But they, it looks like they just landed Hyatt as a global partner, which is pretty huge. So yeah. it's definitely a, an awesome service if you know big brands like that are putting their trust in them. So. Yeah, they seem to have their stuff together. So if, if you're interested in a... In a messaging platform for your guests and zingle.me is definitely one to to look at yeah i think the other thing to consider there too is with zingle with mobile messaging with you know app integration with other services guests really are embracing this technology so if you're an independent hotelier you need to embrace it as well you know this is kind of opportunity where if you get on the ground floor phil to your point if you can prevent a problem before it ever happens you know, you end up looking like the hero. All right, so next up is an extension of that, and that is our friends at Tracking Care. Now, this is a product that I was aware of before the show because we integrate with them already. You know, we have a mobile app, um, a guest experience app called Guest Express. Uh, if you're probably looking for a mobile app, then check check us out at fueltravel.com and look at the mobile app, Guest Express. But we interface with Tracking Care. So Tracking Care, what it does is it, it has some of that messaging, not to the level that Zingle does, but it's more of an asset management platform. So you literally, when you set up, you put in every single thing you own, every asset you have. So every light bulb, every TV, every towel, um, you put in all of your um, maintenance crew or your cleaning staff. So it's a scheduling platform. It's a messaging platform. It's, it's basically streamlines your operations. Um, and and what, where it gets really cool is when you do interact with, interface it with, say, a guest express or any kind of mobile app, then the consumer can now start saying, not just I need towels, but they can say, my light bulb is broken and it needs to be replaced. That automatically goes to the maintenance crew. They can acknowledge it. There's feedback back to the guest to say, we've got it. We're going to be there in 10 minutes. And then they're notified automatically once that's fixed as well. So they, they also, within that app, which I really like, have this guest layer. So every guest that checks in is an object within their system, and they have a sentiment measurement. So they can tell every guest any kind of interactions they've had with the guest, positive or negative, so they know whether that's a happy guest or a sad guest. So they can see when they need to do intervention. So if a guest has had, say, three things go wrong during their stay, then they know they're probably an unhappy guest and you may need to do some intervention there before the end of their stay so that they don't go leave a negative review. That's what we were just talking about with Zingle, kind of similar where you know you get to prevent that bad review by being proactive, by helping them right away as soon as you can. I, I love that kind of feature. Yeah, it, it's really cool. And it, and it also is a time saver, a money saver, because you can start to see how long does it take to fix certain things and... You can get more efficient in your operations, which I think is where the ROI is on that product. Not just does it help guest satisfaction, but it helps you with operational efficiencies as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big benefit as well because you know, if you know that you're having all kinds of problems where people are saying, 
towels are dirty, towels are dirty, towels are dirty. You know that, okay, I need to go ahead and allocate some budget to replacing my towels or you know, getting my washing machines fixed. Yeah. But then you can also look at it and see when your staff is busiest. So if you have a lot of maintenance guys on staff between you know, 3 p.m. and you know, midnight, and you find that all your inquiries for problems are before that, then you can start moving your staffing around as well. So there's a lot of reporting in that system, which is really cool, even beyond just the, the guest satisfaction side. Yeah, and, and probably one of the most powerful features is preventative maintenance. So you can say, okay, my, I, we've got these new products, say it's TV or alarm clock, and the life expectancy of that is 10 years. And you start to see that there's maintenance issues ahead of that, then you can be proactive in fixing problems before they happen or replacing products before they break. And you know the best way to keep guests happy is rather than just letting them report problems, is preventing those problems. So that's the other part of tracking care that is really cool. I can only like imagine how much time and effort it would have take to manage all of these things before this type of software was created. Like it just it had to have been a giant nightmare. Well, and I, I think that's the problem. Is a lot of hotels don't really manage it well. You know, they don't have any data or insight into the problem. They're just responsive to mm -hmm. things as they happen. So they know that light bulbs are breaking and they're fixing them, but that's about all they know. You know, they can say, oh, how many light bulbs were replaced this week? But in what rooms and how long did it take and how happy was the guest? They don't have that currently. So th this, I think this is the kind of product that it's fairly new to the market. There's a few competitors out there. Tracking care is probably my favorite, but um, I think it's something that a lot of hotels are gonna start to adopt. And you, if you're interested in that, you can find them at trackingcare.com, which is T-R-A-C-N-C-A-R-E, trackingcare.com. And I, I believe they're building interfaces. They're interfaced with a bunch of PMSs already, but they're, they're interfacing with new PMSs all the time. So, All right, next up is Flip2. My buddy Ricky there, who sidebar, didn't know this, we'd exchanged emails in, in before the show, but he actually grew up right here in Myrtle Beach. Really? Yeah. And he, he left Myrtle Beach about a year before I moved to Myrtle Beach. So we almost crossed paths, but not quite. Isn't that weird? But um, I had to go all the way to New Orleans to, to meet a guy from Myrtle Beach. Ricky, Ricky is one of the, the brand strategists there, and he told us all about the product. It is really cool. So it's, it's you know, we, we talk a lot about how influential social is. We did a travel study, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash study, which talked about how many people look at social before they book and, and the influence it had. But they're, what they're doing is taking it to the next level, and they're letting consumers become your marketers. So they're letting consumers, they're incentivizing consumers to leave photos and snapshots of memories. And then that's going on their own website, on the hotel's website, and it's getting shared and voted on and gamified. So it, it's just a really neat product. I think the gamification aspect of it is really interesting. And I know a lot of times I'm on websites like TripAdvisor, for example, or Google Local Guides is kind of they're trying to create their version of TripAdvisor. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you get points for it and you earn badges. And it's like, you know, these points literally mean nothing. You know, it's mm -hmm. like the game show where you have well, all these points. We know how much yeah. you love fake internet points. <laughs> fake internet points are the best. So, I, you know, I think... Hey, you're getting a raise this year, by the way, Misha. I'm giving yeah. you a thousand more fake internet points. Yes! <laughs> oh, did I, did I unlock a new badge? You did. Yes. They're redeemable for shroot bucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
might buy some coupons. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that aspect, you know, as silly as it might sound, like that is a legitimate thing. I mean, there's mm-hmm. courses and classes you take on this. People buy into this stuff, and it is very effective. I think people respond better to it too when it when it's not coming from the brand or the property themselves, and you're actually getting that from another customer who's used it prior to you. I mean, that mm-hmm. that type of advocacy. Almost couldn't pay for, but now you can. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the thing is, people have been doing this kind of thing for a while, right? It, it, it's user-generated content is essentially mm-hmm. what it is. It's just it's been very manual and cumbersome before. So flip to what they do is just make it really easy that one integrate with your website, but two to manage it. So you, you don't have to worry about the moderation of it, about the the sharing yourself. It's it's all automated within the platform. So. You just kind of set it and forget it and look at it and enjoy the benefit. And so having you, that user-generated content on your website is so important. It really gives oh. your your website, whether it's a hotel or not, you know, gives it personality, like shows how you're different and shows those genuine, unique experiences, gives it that personal touch that you can't get with just an out-of-the-box right. website. I mean, that's why people travel, right? It's for the experience. And if they can see and touch that experience. And the other thing is they people always say they trust their friend. People trust their friends first. They trust strangers second and then the brand third right and, and if you're just telling them your story on your website that's going to go a certain amount of distance but if you're having your customers tell them and especially if that's their family and friends because they're telling the story and sharing it with you i mean that's just going to help you get more guests it's, it's the new word of mouth advertising exactly I mean, it's it's where people go so do it. the guests have to use a whole new system i mean is it interface with no, facebook all, and twitter yeah and it's all else? it's all integrated it's web-based and integrated with all the existing social platforms so it's, it's again using my magical word that i like to use it's frictionless for the consumer they're also sending some like post stay emails and incentivize it with like simple questions like send us the photo with a memory or something like that so they're, they're encouraging this behavior from the guests to get it going, but then they reuse utilize that content on the website, which is, is really good. Flip2 also hosted a really cool <coughs> party down in New Orleans, so that's why everyone loves them as well, because <laughs> they gave away free booze. Nice. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. And they had a cardboard cutout of the guy, Ricky, that I was talking to. Um, they had a full-size cardboard cutout of him at the booth, and they <laughs> took they took it with them to the, the party that night and it ended up going missing someone one of the people that attended took it and allegedly it was seen going up and down bourbon street later that night so was it ever found in I, I haven't heard there was a hashtag i think it was like fine flat ricky yeah. or something um and people were there was conspiracy theories about where he ended up but i thought um for, it was kind of a buzz around the show like a lot of people were talking about it and, and i thought it was like unintentional guerrilla marketing just because they, they really just did the full-size um, printout of Ricky as a joke to him. And um, it kind of ended up being awesome marketing for them, which I thought was really cool. Well, I can say from experience that if you're seen being passed down Bourbon Street, you're probably not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not in one piece. Yeah. But So if you're interested in that social advocacy and brand um, storytelling product, it's Flip.2. And you know we talk to our clients a lot about you know, travel is, is, is about memories. And so to get people's attention, you've got to tell stories. It's marketing is all about storytelling today. And I haven't seen many products out there that do a better job of storytelling than Flip.2. So check those out as well. And then last up, we have, and I, I have to have a disclaimer here. I, I go through phases of having brand crushes on different products Are you and finally services. over your crush on Airpostel? <clears throat> 
Uh, it wasn't Aeropostle. It was uh, or American Eagle. Um, no, there were there limited was, to everything. <laughs> no, uh, my favorite brand crush in the past was uh, Hyatt Jeans. Not Hyatt like the hotel. It's H I U T. But their storytelling was phenomenal. I never bought their product because it was like two hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of jeans. But just their blog and what they wrote about was so cool. But my new brand crush is Triptease. And they did a great job with their booth this year. So I was talking to Charlie at Triptease and he says that he's traditionally not in favor of giving out a bunch of stuff at trade shows because you get a lot of people just looking for free stuff. They're not really interested in your product. But this year they decided to flip it and almost turn it into a little like a little store. And they had t-shirts and they had socks and all this cool messaging. Like, did you guys look at some of the messaging that yeah, they had? Yeah, the awesome. one I really liked that was a t-shirt said, fight for your right to parody. Love it. That was great. Yeah, so they had a lot of fun stuff like that. And um, basically what they are is they're an advocate for reducing your reliance on OTAs and driving direct booking. So there's a lot of book direct kind of messaging, like direct is best. And so their, their marketing is spot on. It's really, really good. And they have a few products. One is a product that basically shows rates on a hotel's website from OTAs. And uh, one of the things they'll do is if they detect that the OTAs are actually undercutting the hotel, they'll tell the consumer, hey, the OTAs rate is lower, so we're gonna match that rate. And here are all the advantages to Booking Direct, which is kind of cool. They have another product that is just, it, it, it can, it's kind of like a pop-up during the process where it can just tell people, hey, thanks for being on our website, here are the advantages to Book Direct which is again pushes people through the funnel. And then maybe most powerfully, they have a product that is on the back end, allows rate managers to look at where all the rate parity issues are. So anytime someone makes a search on the website and they see that there's a rate parity issue, it's gonna log that and so people can come in afterwards and say, all right, where do we have issues? What are the dates where people are seeing lower rates on OTAs so they can fix it? I love that feature of theirs as well because if you're on the website or the hotel's website, you're probably going to be booking direct if you can just get that rate correct. But if you have that tool that you can always see whether that customer's on your site or directly on the OTA or on TripAdvisor, wherever they are, if you know that you're gonna have the better rate, I mean, it really sets you up for success. Yeah, and we've seen, I mean, we don't have, we, we, we're implementing this on some of our clients, but in the past, we've seen that you really can, through aggressive rate management and, and fixing your parity issues, you can have a huge impact on the amount of reliance you are on OTAs. We've seen properties that were 50% or more reliant on OTAs drop down to 10% just by managing their rates better and being more aggressive with their messaging. So a tool like this that makes it easy for hotels to do that, it's, I'm all about it. It's it gives the consumer mm -hmm. the confidence too as they're going through the checkout process. They mm -hmm. don't feel that they need to jump over and you know, last minute check those other three or four sites right. that mm -hmm. they go through typically. Yeah. If you couple this with reviews, I mean, I, I don't think there's a reason for a hotel to a third party validated review. I don't think there's a reason for never a, a consumer a to leave the, the hotel website. So you might see your conversion rate go from 1% to maybe 10% on a hotel website. I mean, it's got to have a huge impact. So... Yeah, you can check them out at uh, triptease.com. So, in, uh, and hop on our Facebook page because Stuart did some 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 great live videos there on uh, and you can you can find them on our feed. We were really appreciative being able to see it in the office because we weren't able to go, but thank you and they were awesome. Thanks. And do you know what Charlie's uh, Charlie's title was there? Oh, it was funny. 
he was the, he said. He's the chief tease. <laughs> chief tease. That's oh, it. Nice. It might be my favorite title of all time. Um, shout out to Emily too. She was awesome. We we spoke a lot on the phone, and I got to meet her. She she actually grew up about thirty minutes from where I grew up. We had no idea until this conference. So small world. We have to go four thousand miles to the to the um, west, and we met. So each she other. was thirty minutes from under a rock. Is that? Correct? That's not where. <laughs> wow, that's kind of me. <laughs> Emily, that was directed at Stuart, not you. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, but they also gave out the socks that I mentioned were really cool because they were called um, the OTA power socks. So they tell you to wear them when you go and negotiate your rates with the OTAs because they give you a little boost of confidence. That's pretty cool. So I've, mm-hmm. I've got a pair of those. So those are pretty cool. Um, but yeah, triptease.com. So check those out as well. So that's it. Those were kind of my best in show that I, I really enjoy talking to and felt like sharing with our audience. But if you were at High Tech and you saw something else, let us know. We'd love to hear your opinion as well. And next year, High Tech is in uh, Toronto, I believe. So Get your passports, eh? Yeah. Some fries and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they do a different location every year. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year was uh, Austin. They've done LA. They did, yeah, they move around every year. So Some are a little hit or miss but um, this year was pretty good and it was it was there was another conference like a destination marketing conference going on at the same time in the same conference center. so nice. there, there was a lot of folks that came for both which I thought was genius that's pretty cool I felt like the foot traffic was more but we're gonna be at other conferences so we'll probably do something similar to this uh, if we feel like that you know you guys let us know if you like this kind of episode and we can do more like this as well if it's if it's helpful but uh, that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, don't forget to download our study at fueltravel.com slash study. Our new um, download is the ABCs of testing, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash ABC. And then you can reach out to us at uh, Fuel Travel on Twitter and Facebook or visit us at fueltravel.com. And then guys, where can they find you or on the web? Misha. You can find me at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing, M-E-I-S-H-A. I feel like you've changed how you pronounce it, just so we don't make fun of you with the marketing anymore. But you emphasize the Misha this time instead of the marketing. i got to play my strengths. Okay. Marketing, <clears throat> Misha. And then Phil? You can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And Pete? I am also on Twitter. And you can find me at P DeMeo. It's my first initial P. D-I-M-A-I-O. I had someone actually at the conference, Pete, come up and say they were a fan of you. You have a groupie. Really? What? Yeah, seriously. I'm not even That's kidding. fantastic. Someone said, I really like what Pete has to say on the podcast. Really? Yeah. I need to make sure I send that guy the check that I promised him if he said that. <laughs> <laughs> so Pete has a fan and I have no cat gifts. Yeah. It's fine. And hey, I will give away my trip tease socks to the first person that sends Misha a cat gift. Oh, can I send myself a cat gift? No. I'm on it. I, no, I sent her a cat gift last week, but it didn't count. Employees of the company do not count, for sure. All right. Well, you uh, have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Bugle Boy.